0: Basis of Christianity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We ask, and we say, there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Our hearts can be pure as we see ourselves in you. In the name of Jesus, Amen. All right. Basis of Christianity. We are continuing from where we stopped. And we said, Christianity is a reality. Christianity is a reality, and um. There are things that define Christianity. I would say, being a member of a church or attending crusades, attending conventions may not be a proof of Christianity. So the reality of a Christianity is founded on Christ's work. So we as Christians, we need to understand that the reality of Christianity is founded on Christ's work. What Christ has done that is what the reality of Christianity is founded on. And we said that Christianity, we'll just retreating again, is founded on Christ's work. And what is Christ's work? Christ's work of salvation. Christianity is founded on Christ's work of salvation. We addressed the question and we addressed the question of how does a man get saved. Do you remember that question? How does a man get saved? And we said it's by and um we said that a man got gets saved, our salvation is to believe in the heart and confess with the mouth and all of those things. And we say the ability of God to save is in the gospel. I'll retreat it again. The ability of God to save is in the gospel and the only information a man needs to hear to be saved is the gospel. And see, we, 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 I need to explain this to us so that when we are going out to preach and we are going out for churches and all of these things, we know what we are saying. The ability of God to save is in the gospel. Now, we've seen scriptures and we, thought, and we said the plan of God for every man is twofold. Now, somebody say, what is the plan of God for man? The plan of God for every man is for the man to be saved and for the man to come into the knowledge of the truth. Now, let's start. Let's kick off from there. Matthew 28. Let's kick off from there. Are you, are you, are you here? Praise God. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 says And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And I says, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world look at mark 16 mark 16 mark 16 verse 15 mark 16 verse 15 to 20 and he said unto them going into the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that is belie- he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned and this signs shall follow them that believe in my name they shall cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents, and they shall drink any deadly thing, and it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And, after, and then after the Lord has spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat at his right hand on God. And they went forth everywhere. The Lord confirming, the Lord walking with them and confirming the word his signs following. So we say the plan of God for every man is for the man to be saved. Now, when a man is saved, what happens next? The man has to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that is where discipleship and spiritual goods comes in play. Does that make sense? So that is, you preach the gospel to somebody, is saved, you don't just leave the person there. That man has to come to the knowledge of the truth. Does that make sense? The man has to grow spiritually. Does that make sense? Now, so we see. In the Great Commission, Jesus was emphatic. What does the Great Commission mean? It's just a general saying or a general uh, approach in Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 that that's the Great Commission that Jesus told them to go and preach to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, in that mission, Jesus was emphatic on some things. He says, teach all nations. Our responsibility today is to teach people. Are you getting what I'm saying? Our responsibility today is to teach people, teach all nations. In us it's teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we have a responsibility to teach people and we have a responsibility to help them grow in the knowledge of the truth. Does that make sense? So, teaching the all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, the word teach there implies to make disciples. Are you getting what I'm saying? The word teach in verse 19 in Matthew 28. Let's go back there. Matthew 28. Let's go back there. Matthew 28. Look at where it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Are you saying that in Matthew 28? Matthew 28 it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach there means to make disciples, to make students. So it means to make disciples, to make students, to make disciples, to make students now. And we can derive, and we see we can say that word was used, or the, it was applied for practice of learning. Look at Ephesians four twenty. Let's see, how it was used, or it was applied. Ephesians four verse twenty. Ephesians four twenty. Ephesians four twenty. Ephesians four verse twenty. He says but ye have not so learned christ so emphasis on that word length are you getting what i'm saying they have to learn something look at romans 16 verse 25 romans 16 verse 25 romans 16 25 romans 16 verse 25 it says are you there it says now to in that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of jesus christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret since the world began look at philippians 4 verse 9 philippians 4 verse 9 you know you learn to open scriptures a whole lot philippians 4 verse 9 and you learn to open it very fast philippians 4 verse 9 philippians 4 verse 9 he says those things which ye have both learned, and received, and heard, and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be. Which are you seeing the word learned there? Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. Now I speak in respect of words. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, dear, which to be content. Are you getting it now? So the word learned there is in past, present, and future things. It implies continual learning. So there is no end to discipleship. Are you getting me? You will keep learning and learning and learning. So it refers to what you have learned, that you learn, and that you are learning. Are you getting what I am saying? What you have learned, what you have learned, and that you are learning. Are you getting what I am saying? It's just like what you did yesterday. I told you to get somebody filled with the Holy Ghost, right? You said, this was how you learnt it, right? This was how I taught you, right? And you applied the same practice, and you still learnt better yesterday. That is discipleship. You are teaching people, you are making them learn something, they are learning. What you have learnt, they are still learning, and you are still learning. Does that is it making sense to everybody? Yeah. All right. So it refers to what you have learnt, that you are learning, that you learn, sorry, and that you are learning. So, that is, Christ is the focus of the learning in church. Are you getting me? When we come to church, just like we have come this Sunday morning, when we come to church, hope you notice a church. Mm-hmm. Forget, uh, forget everything that looks like it. Forget everything in this being, this is a church already. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, when you come to a church service this morning, like you have come this morning, mm-hmm. This is Sunday morning service. It doesn't look like it. (laughs) When you come to a church service this morning, Christ is the focus of our learning. Does that make sense? And your blessing can't be what you are learning. Christ is the focus of your learning. My responsibility as your pastor or as your preacher is to point you to christ are you getting what i'm saying Mm -hmm. make you understand who christ is so what do we learn when we come to to, together we learn who he is you have to write that down what we what do we what do we we learn we learn who he is what again do we learn we learn what he has done who is what he has done what he is doing in us and through us. We learn who he is what he has done, what he is doing in us and through us, we learn who we are in him, what we have, and what we can do in him. I'll say it again. We learn who he is, what he has done, what he is doing in us and through us. We learn who we are in him, what we have, and what we can do in him. I'll say it again. We learn who he is, what he has done, what he is doing in us and through us. We learn who we are in him, what we have, and what we can do in him. Does that make sense now? So, we learn who is he, who is Christ. We are learning him, and we keep learning. Are you getting me? Who is God? Who is Christ? Who is, we have a lot of series already of things like that and we're still going to embark on more journey as, as time goes on. We'll lend us all those things. What he has done. What is Christ doing? What he is doing in us. What he is doing through us. We also learn who we are in him. What we have. And what we can do in him. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what we are learning. So, if the believer is to learn Christ, It therefore means that the knowledge of Christ is very important for all believers. So, if we are saying we are to lay Christ, are you getting what I'm saying? The knowledge of Christ is more important to all of you. We have a due diligence to feed you with the knowledge of Christ. My responsibility or the responsibility of a preacher is to feed you with the knowledge of Christ feed you with the knowledge of Christ and that's very important. You have to be taught the realities of Christ and to grow in the knowledge of him. You have to be taught the realities of Christ. You have to grow in the knowledge of him. So, let me explain something to you. Teaching is very crucial. Every one of you are going to teach people. Are you getting what I'm saying? Teaching is very crucial to Christianity. Look at Acts 11.26. Acts eleven twenty six. Acts eleven twenty six. Acts eleven twenty six. Acts eleven twenty six. Teaching is very crucial to Christianity. Acts eleven twenty six. It says, "And we found him and brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year that they assembled together and with the church and taught much people." And the disciples were called Christians first in where, in Antioch. They taught more people. So they were first called Christians in Antioch, and this was based on the activities of believers. They thought. So they observed the Christian devotions and the practice and they could not separate them from Christ. So the believer's identity is in Christ. How do you understand your identity? You understand your identity in Christ. Does that make sense to you? You understand your identity in Christ. Let's look at that in John 14. John 14. We are still looking at basis of Christianity. John 14. John 14. John 14, verse six. It says, and he said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the father, bought by me but we can if we if you let's start from uh let's 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 re, let's just read just the seeds so there's no one comes to me. so jesus is the way Jesus is the truth Jesus is the life it means our acquaintance with jesus or our acquaintance with god and our relationship with jesus is our relationship with god are you getting me once you have a relationship with Jesus, once you fellowship with Jesus, you are fellowshipping with God. When you are fellowshipping with the world, you are fellowshipping with God. Does that make sense? But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to him but by Jesus. Now, let me tell you one fundamental thing about Christianity. Because you need to understand these basics. Christianity is a relationship and a fellowship with God. One thing that you will grow, what you will understand as you grow spiritually and as you come to this local church is you will understand that you will have to understand that Christianity is a relationship and a fellowship with God. Found only in Christ Jesus. I'll say it again. Christianity is a relationship and a fellowship with God found only in christ jesus found only in christ jesus god will relate with a man on the basis of jesus we're gonna we to look at that much further god will relate with a man on the basis of christ jesus now you're gonna wonder how does that sound what does that mean Cool now. We're still going to address certain things. There is no personal relationship you have with God that makes you different, that makes you different. The only person known to God with a personal and distinct and unique relationship is Jesus. You know those things we used to say, Jesus is my Lord and personal savior. Oh, there is nothing personal about it. Are <laughs> you what I'm saying? There is no personal relationship you have with God that makes you different. The only person known to God with a personal, distinct, and unique relationship with God is Jesus. And so whatever we have with Jesus is what we have with God. You and I have a relationship with Jesus, right? We believed his death. We believe his burial. We believe his resurrection. We have a relationship with that person. And once we have a relationship with Jesus, we have a relationship with God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yes. So, Christianity is what God has done. Christianity is what Christ has done. Sorry. Christianity is what Christ has done. Who Jesus is and what he represents to us. Christianity is what Christ has done, who Jesus is, and what Christ has done to us. Now, one thing this series will open up to you is that it will give you... When you say that, I am a Christian, I am a born-again Christian, what does it mean? Does that make sense? You know, I have a message on born again, right? A short exhortation on born again. Now, it's like saying, I'm taking that message and I'm bringing it in a more broader light. Does that make sense? who exactly, what is the basis of Christianity? So someone that come at me and say, you say you're a Christian, what does that mean? You say I have a relationship with Jesus, and my relationship with Jesus is my relationship with God. Does that make sense? Because of what Christ has done. So Christianity is what Christ has done, who Jesus is, and what he represents to us. Does that make sense? Jesus is the angel of our faith. Jesus is not one of God's way of dealing with us. eh, There are other gods. There are other days we know. But we as Christians, right, Jesus is the only way. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus is the only way. The only life. The only truth that is recognized in God. So Jesus is the only way. The only life. The only truth that is recognized in God. So, every Christian, therefore, has to precisely appreciate and have an accurate understanding of the realities in him. Every Christian needs to appreciate and come to that understanding of who Christ is. If not, he will have a confused faith. If not, he will just be calling himself a Christian and not know why he is a Christian. That's why, he, That's why. if you remember I started, I told you, I said, Christianity is beyond... Christianity, I, I, I told you, I said something that being a member of a church or attending and crusade Sunday or, or conversions and camp meetings and all of those things, they are not the proof of appreciating your reality of Christianity. Then I told you, Christianity is founded on Christ's work. It's founded on Christ's work of salvation. So every believer needs to recognize that truth and appreciate it. Look at Philemon one verse four to six 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 Philemon one verse four to six, 1 verse 4 to 6. This is, are you there?" it says I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers." of thy love and faith which thou hast towards all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So your participation in the faith becomes more effective by the acknowledging of every good thing in you in Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? So. The word "now," let's 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 do something. The word "acknowledge" means precise and accurate and correct understanding. That is what acknowledge means. It means precise and correct understanding. It means precise and correct understanding. So there are several things you must appreciate. Things you must know that are for you in Christ Jesus one thing you will keep learning as you go on, as you go on, as you go on, is that you will come to much understanding of what Christ has done. Are you getting what I'm saying? You will come to much appreciation of what Christ has done. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it implies that you must appreciate the things that are for you in Christ Jesus. So every Christian needs to understand this. We need to teach Christians and explain to them that This is who Christ is. This is what He has done. They need to come to that accurate understanding. So the first thing a believer must appreciate is God's word. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's just like I'm just starting the series. Or what I've been doing from the last one I taught to this one is just a preamble. We are still understanding and looking at what is Christianity, right? We said Christianity is founded on Christ's work of salvation, right? We said that Christianity is what Christ has done, who Jesus is, and what he represents to us, right? You see, we, we you understand that? We've seen that they have to be taught. I you, have you? Do you understand that that they have to be taught? A Christian needs to be taught. He has to keep learning what he has learned, what he what he has learned, or what he is learning, and what he will keep learning. And does that make sense? No. And we explain to us that. They need to come to an accurate understanding. Now, one of the things we're going to address several things, but one thing that a Christian needs to appreciate is the reality of God's word. 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 Are you get to what I'm saying? Now, First Peter two, verse one to two. 1 Peter 2, verse 1 to 2. The reality of God's word. Well, if you remember this, the reality of the word. 1 <laughs> Peter 2, 1 to 2. 1 Peter 1 to 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, I wait for you. 1 Peter 2, 1 to 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and all hypocrisy and envies, and all evil speaking, he now says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere make of the word, that he may grow thereby. So, a man is born again by the word. A man is born again by the word. How did you and I get born again today? Well, we preached the word. The word of God was made available to us. We preached that word. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, look at John 1, one, John 1 verse 1. John 1 verse 1. John 1 verse 1. The reality of God's word. So, one of the first things a believer needs to appreciate. Remember, we said a believer needs to come to an accurate knowledge, right? We believe that needs to come to a precise knowledge of what God has done in Christ Jesus for him. That one of the things he needs to appreciate is that reality of God's word. Now, look at John 1 verse 1, It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was what? Was God. So, God and his word are the same. Are you getting what I'm saying? God and his word are the same. Some people will say, how do we see God? How do we find out God? Well, look at the word. Have you fed on the word? How do you have a relationship with God? Feed on the word. How How do you grow spiritually? How do you have an encounter with God? Feed on the word. The word and God are the same. So the first appreciation of the believer must be the word. A believer must learn to understand and love the gospel. Say, I love gospel. I, love I love God's word. No, lift your Bible up. Say, I love gospel. I love gospel. I love gospel. You have to learn to love gospel. How do you be a believer and you dump your Bible? You only pick up your Bible on Sunday morning and you expect to grow. Then you start asking questions on what is the hobbit, what is the sun and the Uranus <laughs> and the Plutos. Then he starts saying there are, several, there are several dimensions of the earth and all of those things. No, appreciate God's war. A believer needs to appreciate God's war. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 15 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. I'm sure a good student of me would have known this scripture by now. 2 <laughs> Timothy 3, 15 to 17. Is says, i not from a child. I'll wait for you. Second Timothy 15-17 It says, And as from a child, thou hast learnt the holy scriptures, which is able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It says, And all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works the phrase Holy Scriptures refers to this to holy or sacred writings are you getting what I'm saying? when they say Holy Scriptures it means sacred writing sacred writing Holy Scriptures mean sacred writing from the Greek word agios graphic sacred writing so it is pertinent to note that the only book that can produce salvation is the Bible are you getting what I'm saying? the only book that can produce salvation is the bible you should put that down the only book that can produce salvation is the bible the only book that can produce salvation is the bible now the only book that can produce salvation is the bible and the only ant is the bible and only the scriptures can validate a man's salvation only the scriptures can validate a man's salvation only the scriptures can teach and instruct the man are you getting what i'm saying only the scriptures a man who is born again needs to learn to appreciate the bible he needs to learn to appreciate god's word. It needs to learn to appreciate the reality of God's Word. It needs to learn to appreciate that what God has written in His Word is His Word. is the same with Him. So, the Scriptures are inspired of God. The Scriptures are valid for doctrine. The Bible says, As from a child you have known the only Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. He now says, all Scripture are given by the Spirit, and it is profitable for doctrine. That is, we can teach from the Scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? We can teach from the Scriptures. It is profitable for doctrine. For reproof. Reproof means the Scriptures as evidence. The Scriptures is our evidence. Are you getting what I'm saying? The Scriptures is our... Somebody will tell you, show me proof about this and that. Show them the Scriptures. We don't have any evidence outside the scriptures. If you say, show me proof that God exists, show them the scriptures. Show me this, show them the scriptures. The scriptures are our evidence. Say, I love my Bible. I love Love my Bible. Bible. You have to love it. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to learn to love and trust the Bible. That is our reality. You have to learn to love and trust the Bible. That's our reality. The scriptures will correct us. Say it's giving for correction. is restoring things to their original place of use. The scriptures are giving for instruction in righteousness. That is, when we see the scriptures. We are instructed and we are corrected. Does that make sense? So, the inspiration of the scriptures. In the inspiration of the scriptures, there is a message in the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation that must not be lost. In the message, in the entire Bible, there is, in the inspiration of the scriptures, sorry, There is a message in the entire Bible that must not be lost. Look at John 5, verse 39. 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 39. It says that Such ye the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, for they are they which testify of me. So that is, the testimony of the scripture is a person. I have done a teaching on the testimony of a believer. You can, you can lay your hands on that. The believer's testimony. I think that's what we call the title, right? Yes. Um, the, so the testimony of, a scri- of the scriptures is In the person of Jesus, the testimony of the scriptures is a person. Sorry, (laughs) I wanted to say that. The testimony of the scriptures is a person, and that's Jesus. The Bible is referred to as the word of God because it refers to a person. Are you getting what I'm saying? The Bible is referred to as the word of God because it refers to a person. It refers to a person. We are studying the entirety of a person in the scriptures. We are studying the entirety of a person in the scriptures. Don't five verse 39 that we just read told us, such the scriptures for Then you think you have eternal life for the they which testify of me. So the entirety of the Bible or the entirety of the scriptures is in a person. Look at Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 25 to 27. Luke 24, verse 25 to 27. Jesus was talking to them there. Luke 24, verse 25 to 27. Jesus was talking to them. He says, O fools and slow of hearts to believe all that the prophet has spoken ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? In you know, says, I'm beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Look at verse 44 to 45. And these are the words I speak unto you while I was yet with you, the things which were fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, in the Prophet, and in the Psalms concerning me, then opened in their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Because it is written, and thus it be of Christ, to last suffer and to rest from the dead, the third day. So, the understanding of the scripture is to see everything in the light of God's word. Are you getting what I'm saying? The understanding of the scriptures is to see everything in the light of God's word. Look at Romans 1, verse 1 to 4. You have to learn to appreciate the Bible. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to learn to trust the Bible. We don't have any extra biblical sources. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to learn to trust the Bible. You have to learn to trust what the Word of God says because the Word of God is a person. And once you are studying the Word, you are studying the entirety of a person. Does that make sense? Romans 1, verse 1 to 4. Look at what Paul said. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he has promised our fall by his prophet in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and he declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of or from the dead. Look at Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 2. Hebrews 1 verse 1 to 2, you will learn to open the scriptures because we have, uh, the, our reality is in God's word. Are you seeing it? <laughs> so you will learn to open the scriptures. When you come to church, you open the scriptures the whole lot because our reality is in the scriptures, It's in gospel. Look at Hebrews 1 verse 1. It says, God, who has sundry times and in diverse manners, speak in time past unto the fathers by the prophet as in this last day spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom he has made the world." Are you getting that? So, Jesus is the message and in reading the Bible, we must come to see the reality of the Bible is Christ Jesus. We have to see that the reality of the Bible is in Christ Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? The reality of the Bible is in Christ Jesus. Look at Hebrews 6, verse 13 to 20. 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 For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless thee, and multiplying, multiply I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and no oath for confirmation is to them and to the end of all strife, any God willing, more abundantly, to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of the council, confirmed by confirmed it by oath. You know, it says and by two immutable things which was impossible for God to lie we have a strong consolation that who fled from the defile to lay hold upon the hope that was set before us which hope we have as an anchor of our soul both sure and steadfast which entered into within the veil with that the forerunner is that even Jesus and high priest forever into the order of Melchizedek? What said it. That word forerunner refers to somebody who was who established something. You see that word forerunner in um, verse. Where, where's that place again? In verse what? 20. In verse twenty, it says, "With the forerunner." That word forerunner refers to somebody who established something. So the promise God made to Abraham was self-fulfilling commitment i'll say it again the promise that god made to abraham was a self-fulfilling commitment so in other words god himself would perform it so it means god will perform it that was why the word became flesh and it dwelt among us because god would do what he said he would do he didn't need the man to do it i don't know if you got saying. He promised Abraham something, and he decided to do it. So that was why in John 1, verse 14 it says, The world became flesh and it dwelt among us. So he came as Jesus to do his word. Are you getting what I'm saying? We have to learn to come to the reality of God's word. So it's not like saying, I promised you Noah, and I said, Noah. I am going to, I'm going to write your exams for you. Hmm. No. Or I say, Noah, your exams, you are going to pass your exams. And instead of doing that, I decided to come and write the exam for you. And you get what I'm saying? That is what's I Jesus, God promised Abraham something, and he decided to come and fulfill it. He did the war. So, God told Abraham to offer your only son, even Isaac. The statement, God will provide him. And you know know what God told him? God said, he will provide himself a lamb. And, And that makes it apparent that God will offer and raise his only begotten son. Does that make sense? Look at Acts 13. Acts 13. Acts 13 The reality of God's word The reality of God's word Acts 13 Let's see from this um Let's see from this Let's see Let's start from verse 20 Let's start from verse 26 Men and virgin children of stock of Abraham And whosoever among you feared God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which I read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they have found no cause of death in him, yet desired they, Pilate, that he should be slain. And when they have fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree, and laid him in a sculpture, but God raised him from where? From the dead. Hallelujah. God raised Jesus from the dead. So the promise of raising his only begotten son was fulfilled. That promise was fulfilled. And that promise being fulfilled is the reality of God's word. Now, we can safely say the reality of God's word was that Christ was raised from the dead. Because that has been the promise that was fulfilled. God fulfilled his word. So we are saved because why? Christ raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise God. We are saved because Christ was raised from the dead. Let me show you a proof of that in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Are you enjoying this this morning or this afternoon? 1 Corinthians 15. Now look up from verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's start from verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15. So the promise of raising is only be in son was fulfilled. And that promise fulfilled is the reality of God's word. That promise that was fulfilled is the reality of God's word. And what is that fulfilled? that was fulfilled? That Christ was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Christ was raised from the dead. That is why me and you are saved. Christ was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Let's start from verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how says, how says some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Ah, yeah. And if Christ be no risen, then your preaching is vain. And your faith is also vain now says so if christ did not raise from the dead we are not saved look at verse 17. and if christ be not raised your faith is vain and you are yet in your sins Hallelujah. so we are saved because christ was raised from the dead you know when we went for our church yesterday we met that guy and he told us what is the resurrection And we sat down and we said, the reason for the resurrection is because Christ was raised from the dead. And that is where our faith is hinged upon. Mm. See, you know why it's sweeter to preach it? I already told you. I said, do you believe God's word? Right? You believe God's word? Now, look at verse 17. If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you are yet in your sin. So do you believe the resurrection? Yes, you do. So, are you seeing the reality of God's word? You have to learn to believe the Bible. Because the entirety of the person in the Bible is about Christ. So, the reality of God's word is predicated on Jesus Christ. That today he came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. Jesus died, Jesus was buried. And Jesus rose from the dead. So the truth of God's word is a person. Are you seeing it? The truth of God's word is a person. Now who is that person? Jesus Christ. The reality of God's word is demonstrated in the death, in the burial, and in the resurrection of Christ. It is is demonstrated in the death, in the burial, and in the resurrection of Christ. Are you seeing that? So. Are you seeing that? So, how is the word made available to us? Mark 16, verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. Another question we want to ask How is the word of God made available to us? We already said one truth that a believer must come to, come, must understand, is the reality of God's word, right? So, and we said the reality of God's word is predicated upon Jesus Christ. How that He died. That it was buried, or that it rose again. The truth of God's word is a person. Does that make sense to us? And we are in that reality today. And when we believe the scriptures, so one thing you must first build your new convert when you are preaching to them, make them understand that this Bible is God's word. This Bible is it's revolving around a person. Are you seeing it? No. Mark 16, verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. Hallelujah. Mark 16, verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So, we have a responsibility to preach. Look at 1 1, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 21. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 21. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 21. Verse 18 to 21. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us we shall save. It is what? The power of God. So it doesn't make sense to somebody who is not saved. Right? When we tell them, ah, Jesus Christ died. To us, that's the power of God. Paul says something in Romans 1 verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jews and to the Greeks. He says, look at what it says in verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the word? Hath God not made the wisdom of this world? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew God, and he pleased God by the foolishness of the preaching, of, by preaching to save them that believe. So the way the word is available to us is by preaching and teaching. How would you make the word available to other people? You preach and you teach the word. Are you getting what I'm saying? In the synoptic gospel of Christ, it was written that Jesus went about preaching and teaching. Look at in Matthew 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, 23. Matthew 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, 23. Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, preaching in their synagogue. And he says, teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sicknesses and diseases among all people. So, preaching and teaching. So, you see, we have a responsibility to preach and teach. Are you seeing that? Noah? Look at Matthew 9. Matthew 9, verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and doing what? Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. (laughs) You like that one? (laughs) So he went about preaching and teaching. So we have a responsibility to preach and teach, to make the word of God available to others. How the word of God was made available to you, somebody preached to you. Right. Somebody preached to you. That is how the word of God is made available. Are you getting that? Now look at it in Titus 1, verse 1 to 3. Titus 1, verse 1 to 3. Titus 1, verse 1 to 3, let's see what Paul wrote, first letter to Titus, Titus 1, verse 1 to 3, are you there, he says, Paul is servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after Godliness, in in hope of eternal life, which God cannot lie, promised before the world began. And in due time, manifest his word, true word, preaching, which is committed unto me, according to the commandment of God, our salvation. So, in Paul, So, we Paul, Paul instructed Titus to preach and teach God's word. And I'm giving you that same instruction today. You have a work and a due responsibility to do what? To preach and teach God's word. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? So, look at first... Corinthians 2 verse 4. 1 Corinthians 2 4. 1 Corinthians 2 4. It says, And my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So, the way the Word of God is made available to us is by what? Is by preaching. Is by preaching. Is by preaching. So, the word of God is made available to us by what? By preaching. Say preaching. Preaching. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. Verse 1 verse 18. The preaching of the cross is to then perish what? Foolishness. But to us who receive it is what? The power of God. So, when we are preaching, we are declaring the power of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So it is very, So, with that said now, it is very important for us to note that there are three things a believer must do with the word. There are three things a believer must do with the word. There, the there are three things a believer must do with the word. There are three things a believer must do with the word. What are the three things? Number one, a believer must learn to hear the word of God. Hear the word of God. Three things a believer must do with the word of God. Three things a believer must do. With, you must hear the word of God. You must read the word of God and you must believe the word. (laughs) Are you getting what I mean? You have to hear the word, you have to read the word of God, and you have to believe the word. You have to hear the word, read the word, and do what? Believe the word of God. So the word of God supersedes experiences, it supersedes circumstances. The word of God is supreme over anybody's visions and revelation. When somebody comes to tell you and say, Ah, Noah, I have a vision. I saw something. You don't believe that above God's word. God's word must supersede that. Oh, I had a dream. Oh, this happened to me yesterday. This is me. You know, some people say, Oh, yesterday I was driving and I almost had an accident. I feel like God is teaching me. No. if that... This the person is trying to say, I feel like God is teaching me how to just be how to just be slow about this, how to just be this. If what that person is saying is not in line with God's word, you don't take it. Are you getting what I'm saying? The word of God supersedes every human experience, every human circumstances. The word of God is supreme above that. It's supreme above that. is Supreme her. The, the, the Word of God is how the believer renews their mind. The Word of God is how the believer renews their mind. The Word of God is how the believer renews their mind. The Word of God is how the believer is not conformed to this word. You want to change, you have a bad habit, you have to change, you feed on the Word. You feed on the Word. The word of God is how the believer renews their mind. The word of God is how the believer is not conformed to this word. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. The reality of God's word. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. It says be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may approve what is good and what is acceptable and the perfect will of god so the word of god supersedes experiences it supersedes every circumstances it supersedes one person's story are you getting what i'm saying the word of god is above that there is a reality in god's word, and you have to hear it you have to read it, and you have to believe it. Does that make sense? So as we approach most others, as we approach more light in this series, basis of Christianity, we will explain some of our realities in Christ. Some of the realities that the believer has to come to play. Some of the realities that the believer needs to understand. we have seen today that, one thing the believer needs to understand is the reality in God's word. And we said Christianity is what? Based on Christ's work of salvation. And it is solely based, and the reality of God's word is predicated today on the person of Jesus. How that Christ died, how that he was buried, and now that he rose again. Did you learn something? Did you learn something? Did you learn something? Yes. You sure you learned something? Now share with one another what you learned. Share with one another. Go through your notes together and share what you learned together. Hallelujah. Amen.